0: special wide receiver centric, throw it in rotation. I'm Harry Discom and as ever I'm joined by Ashley Cadell and today we are joined by our second ever guest, the Jet Sweeps, Jack Brentnell. Jack, welcome to the show mate, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good, thanks for having me guys, it's uh, it's good to be on.
0: Pleasure, pleasure. So Jack's got his uh, own website as I just mentioned, the Jet Sweep, Uh, we'll get into that uh, a bit later but the main reason we asked him on To the show this week was to discuss his brand new wide receiver metric, wide receiver gravity. Uh, So we'll spend a large part of the show going through that, what it is, what it can show us, uh, as well as a few other wide receiver talking points. Before that, though, it is time for...
2: NFL in Rotation.
0: Beautiful job, Ashley, get us into it, We've not had your voice yet.
2: Yeah, here we go for an NFL in rotation, and obviously after the discussions about Zach Wilson last week, I think it would only be fair for us to pick up where we left off, really, uh, obviously, Zach Wilson, was, Zach Wilson was benched for Michael White and he came in and he did a pretty good job, to be fair to him. Uh, you know, Robert Salad put his offense in the firing line. And, you know, although that Bears D is not perhaps the best with the likes of Roquan Smith out of the door, uh, it does seem like it is a Zach Wilson issue and not necessarily a Jets offensive issue. I mean... uh, Mike White came in and threw for 315 yards and got three touchdowns. That's something that Zach Wilson has never really done in the passing game. I mean, that 78.6 completion percentage rate, I mean, pretty incredible. Pretty good game, I'd say, all round.
0: Definitely, yeah. And he's just, uh, on top of that, there's no mistakes. He's limiting the fumbles and the interceptions that we've seen from Zach Wilson throughout his short NFL tenure, uh, tenure. And I think it just goes to show... All right, it makes Zach Wilson's post-comment game, uh, post-game comment comments last week even worse. I'll we'll just revisit them for you now.
2: The, as an offense, though, I mean, when you guys are only able to score three points, the defense only lets up three points. I mean, do you do you feel like you let the defense down at all? No. no. Thank you. No.
0: Um, yeah, I think <laughs> it makes them sound even worse. It, it does. Bears defense, after the trade they've made, they're definitely in the argument for the worst D in the league. And all right, yeah, I can't see Zach Wilson throwing for 300 yards, three cuddies, no turnovers. But there's every chance he would have done a bit better. They could have squeaked out the win and maybe would have built up a bit of confidence. Because I think without those comments, I think there's a lot less pressure on Salah to drop him. I think there's every chance that he does play against the Bears and maybe that's, you know, you start building a bit of confidence and instead you're fighting for your career. That that no might have been career suicide uh, for Zach Wilson. What do you think, Jack?
1: Yeah I think it was the the straw that broke the camel's back really wasn't it I think his play on the field had been had been terrible um I'd been i actually put out a an article after the first patriots game saying like the time now to drop him like they need to just make a change um and then this one and it was just you know that was bad enough but he's lost the locker room you know you can't yeah. You can't keep playing if, if the rest of the team aren't following you, you know. So it's time to make a change, especially sort
2: of dropping it into the sort of dropping it on the defense as well. I know a lot of the defensive guys were not happy at all with, with the comments. I mean, it's you know, it's fair enough, isn't it? Because how good of that uh, defense been all season for the Jets. Uh, and you know, as soon as uh, another QB comes in, and the offense uh, I know it's only the Bears, but you know, the, the offense looks so much better you know Garrett Wilson you know he was having had his best game for some time uh, his most receiving yards since week 8 um, against the Pats uh, he also obviously got two touchdowns and then that was his first since week 2 uh, with another quarterback uh, Joe Joe Flacco at the time wasn't it um so you know Zach Wilson can look up with Garrett Wilson before as soon as Mike White comes in them getting the production straight away it just does not bode well at all for Wilson um and in general just sort of looking at the offense i thought it just looked a lot smoother they were able to operate a bit a lot of a better better pace down the field um but i mean obviously against the the bears you've got to take into account there's not as much pressure on that o-line uh, the o-line was a factor um we have said that the jets o-line was looking a little a little weak and it was a big improvement against the bears but you have got they did uh, bring back Max Mitchell. Um, he's uh, cut back at right tackle. Um, he was excellent in the pass block. So, of course, you have got to bear that into account. Um, a bit better protection for Mike White. But, um, I don't know, it just does not look good at all for Zach Wilson. And he may never even play another game for the Jets.
0: No, no this Mike White, I don't think Mike White had to do anything too crazy to, to come out of this game with 300 yards and three chuddies. Such is the quality of that Bears D. Um, but he found the connection with Garrett Wilson, as you said, and he's made it so tough for Zach Wilson to earn that job now. And like I said before, that those comments are, are looking like maybe career suicide. But we'll keep NFL in rotation,
1: rotating.
0: Um, and I wanted to move it on to a team who we've not really spoken about on the podcast a lot before. The Cincinnati Bengals, obviously were in the Super Bowl last year, um, had to beat Tennessee on route to their Super Bowl appearance, um, and they had to win that game despite Joe Burrow being sacked nine times. This win on Sunday, played the Titans again, was completely different. The offensive line, as we knew, uh, as we know, had a complete rehaul in the offseason. It was still awful to start the year, but they're, they're really improving now and, in fact, only allowed one sack, four quarterback hits against the Titans. Burrow protected the ball, produced actually zero turnover-worthy plays, and this is against the Titans D that's top ten in sacks this year. A Titans team that has only lost since week one to the Bills and the Chiefs. And the Chiefs loss was um was with No Tannehill as well. So I just wanted to bring some love to the Bengals. They're really impressing me at the minute. Joe is feeling himself, he's kinda of giving me similar vibes to last year. After the game he was saying this was a game that great team wins. He's saying the offensive line is playing as well as anybody right now. Um Jack, what are your feelings on the Bengals? They're looking really dangerous right now,
1: aren't they? They are. I think, you know, th- th- this was always going to be a big test. Um, the Titans don't have many big names on defense, or at least healthy ones, but they've been a really, really tough team. Mike Vrabel is a, I- I'd say, top, top, maybe top three coach, certainly a top five mm-hmm. coach. Um, so to get a win over them with Jamar Chase out, with Joe Mixon out, um, it speaks a lot to, to, their, to their talent. But I think also... We're all gonna gush over the offense because it is brilliant and it's great to watch. But the Bengals defence has been mm. legitimately impressive this season. And and I think, you know, if you're gonna make a push for the Super Bowl, yes, offence is what wins it in the modern NFL, but you've got to have a decent defence and the Bengals have got a good one. So I'm I'm yeah, all in on them and I think they'll win the AFC North. The Bengals, the uh, yeah,
2: it was, it was great against the Titans as well. I mean, as you said in general, yeah, it's, it's been good anyway. But I mean, being able to limit Derek Henry to just thirty eight rushing yards as he did, uh, as they did, you know, I mean, he did have seventy nine receiving yards, but I mean, it would have been a massive factor in limiting the run game to get that victory. Um, and just uh, the defence, uh, BJ Hill, superb on the D-line, uh, excellent in the run block, and DJ Reader as well, putting in a solid performance. Sam Hubbard off the edge, uh, also picking up a sack. Um, just going back to what you were saying, Harry, I mean, Joe Burrow as well. I mean, uh, after those four interceptions, uh, was it week one against the Steelers, was it? Um, yeah, I, I don't know whether, maybe not huge cause for concern, It's obviously week one, but uh, you, you you not not what you're you're hoping for, is it? And uh, but ever since then, I thought he, he's gone on and uh, he's improved. You know, he, he's been pretty clean and uh, ever since, only a few uh, interceptions here and there. But uh, you know, uh, his performance uh was very good. Uh, no picks, uh, very clean game. Uh, and uh, you know, he, he's progressing nicely, really. Um, but as you know, clearly, the we thought the Bengals might have gone under the radar a little bit. Um, considering after they they made the Super Bowl last year, but um, especially with the start as well they made it wasn't wasn't the best. Uh, but now they're sort of started to pick up that good run of form, and I think they've only lost one in their last five. So maybe something similar, you know, pick up that me- momentum uh, down the stretch and uh, head off to perhaps another Super Bowl run. would you think?
0: I definitely think it's possible, and I, I have flipped it now after this win. I was. I've been on the Ravens all, all year, but now I, I agree. I think they will win the AFC North. The Bengals—they're three and one now with Jamar Chase, and I just think the most impressive thing is is the way they've won this. They've out physical the most, probably the most physical team in the NFL. The Titans were first in rush defense DVOA coming into this one. They have the best defensive rush success percentage, uh, and without Mixon, they've been able to not run all over them, but they were successful uh, in the run when they needed to be. They ran for four, uh, first downs when they needed to. And that offensive line has improved ridiculous amounts since the start of the year. And if, if they can be a physical team, as well as obviously the finesse of your, your Jamar Chase and your T Higgins and Joe Burrow doing whatever he wants in and out of the side of the pocket. But I don't see a team that can stop them if this offensive line trend is a sign of things to come. Again, though, we'll keep NFL in rotation moving. Jack, um, Jordan Love came in for Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter of the Eagles game. What did you see from him?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think this is going to be a big talking point going forward. I mean, it looks like Aaron Rodgers is uh, insisting that he's going to play against the Bears mm-hmm. this week. Uh, <laughs> no surprises there for the man who says he owns the Bears. Um But, I mean, you know, Love was in in emergency duty with Rogers injured. I was really impressed. I know it was limited, um, you know, limited outing. He made, I think, nine passes, but he completed six of them, 113 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, a big chunk of that, I think 65 yards, was in that one play to Christian Watson. Um, But there was a lot to like. I mean, you know, there's been a whole question about Love as to whether or not you know, with him being sat on the bench, he's got what he needs to, to, to be an NFL starter. There was a lot to like, he was getting through his reads. He was playing in rhythm, delivering an accurate ball, making the right decisions. And there was no stupid mistakes that you might expect for a guy who's, you know, had what one game in the past. I think he played the Chiefs last year. Um, really encouraging, but you know, don't know where he'll be, uh, for the rest of the season, whether he'll still be riding the bench.
0: No, I think as as far as cameo performances go, this one was, was pretty perfect. As you say, he goes six for nine, uh, so three incompletions. One of them is probably his best throw of the night, a beautiful back shoulder to Alvin Kamara, who um, to Aaron Jones, sorry, who, who just should have hauled it in. Uh, the other one was rolling to his right, the play sort of broke down, nothing was really on. And then the the final incompletion was a, a throw to Randall Cobb in the end zone, which Randall Cobb easily could have hauled in for, for what would have been... Jordan Love's second touchdown of the night. So yeah, I agree. He had a beautiful time and He knew where his receivers were going to be, and it kind of seemed like he trusted the re- receivers more than even Aaron Rodgers does. Um, and so at the very least, it looks like Jordan Love's got a good head on him. He, he's obviously learned the offense in the time he's been there with the Packers, and um, a- and he was ready to go, ready to go there um, in the fourth quarter and, and played really to a professional level. Um So now the question is there. Packers season, I think, is probably over now. You, there are only two teams in the NFC with a worse record than the Packers, so I think the question absolutely is there whether whether it's worth seeing what you've got in Jordan Love. Maybe you can trade him off then, or, or maybe he could be a your quarterback in the future. But I've just got a drop here. Aaron Rodgers, of course, is on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday and was asked whether he thinks he will play uh, against the Bears on Sunday. So you you did it feel like a fractured rib? Is that what you're you're saying? It felt like you fractured a rib or something like that, and that was what led you to believe the baby would be a punctured lung. And how many quarters were you playing with that from that initial hit? And is this something that's going to be able to be healable? You know, because you got Chicago Bears, who you're the landlord of. This weekend and everybody's talking like on the Sunday Night Football broadcast, it sounded as if you we we might never see you play football again, like ever again. And then obviously there's been reports about should the floor hold Aaron Rodgers out for the good of Aaron Rodgers whenever they're eliminating everything like that. Where do you stand with all that and how does that feel right now? Do you feel like that's going to be something that's going to hold you back? Well, we're not eliminated. Uh, I got good news with the scans yesterday, so
1: I plan on playing this week. Hell Yeah. You fucking, yeah. You're
2: still playing in the NFL? You're still playing?
1: I know. It's hard to believe,
0: isn't it? Wow. <laughs> hey, okay. Rogers playing this weekend. Yeah. He's the best. <laughs> so Rogers decided uh, himself that he's playing, it looks like. Um, Interestingly, he did also say because his thumb fracture was leaked. And he said, it was, um, he said it was leaked by a, a Make-A-Wish kid who wanted to be a podcaster, so did an interview with him. <laughs> but then he went, like, went behind his back and, and had <laughs> a dumb story with it. Um, wow. Well. A, a pretty interesting note. But we've spoken about, um, about, on the podcast before about Le Fleur and Roger's relationship. It kind of seems strained. It kind of seemed like Rogers takes a piss out of Matt Le Fleur sometimes. And if you look at that fourth quarter, of the Packers game, Jack, it kind of seemed like Lafleur was really enjoying having Jordan Love out there on the on the on the pit, on the field, and it, and it looks like they might have a, a better relationship. Do you think there's, do you think uh, that Lafleur is kind of wanting Jordan Love to play?
1: I think it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think there's. I saw something the other day. I can't remember where it was, but some somebody mentioned that, you know, if Rogers carries on starting, one of two things are happening. It's either Jordan Love is so terrible that he can't play, or Rogers has too much control and power. Well, we've seen in limited action against a good Eagles defense that Love can play. So it tells me that it's the latter.
2: Mm.
1: I think when things go well between them, it clearly works. When things break down, you get the feeling that Rogers loses his trust. He changes plays at the line. There's all the stuff as well where he said that Lafleur is overcomplicating the offense too some extent, that's I think been true, partly because of the lack of talent at receiver. He needs to do more to get them open, but it definitely doesn't seem like a harmonious relationship. And I think I don't think we'll lose to the Bears, but if Packers do lose to the Bears and they're out of the playoffs, then you really need to have a serious conversation about what's best for the franchise long term and whether whether that's sitting Rogers, whether that's starting Love. I mean, that needs to be an open conversation.
2: This I think is got pretty important right now uh, as well. I mean, it's the fourth and final year of Jordan Love's rookie contract. A sort of I know Rogers uh, signed that three deal, uh, three year deal. What was it? Less than a year ago, but obviously, what what do they do? You know, is it now time to move Rogers on? If, even if he wants to stay, and he probably will keep playing, and it's not going to likely he's going to retire, but. Do, do you do will you, do you trade Rogers or you know what would you do personally? Would you trade him and then go with Love? Is that a, a, enough of a performance against the Eagles? has that convinced you?
1: No, I think you. If if that's something that you're willing to do as a franchise, you need to make the decision to to put Rogers on IR because of his thumb injury and play Love for the rest of the season. And
2: yeah. then you've got
1: a you know four or five game sample size that you can work from, and all the stuff that they'll see behind the scenes. If you're then happy with that four or five game sample size. You know at that point you've burnt that Bridge with Rogers because you've sat him. So then trade him. That is if he doesn't retire, because I have heard things saying that he might, you know, he's he's being non-committal about coming back. Um if you trade him, it's not going to be cheap because like the salary cap implications of that are pretty severe. I think it's like a forty million dead cap hit if you trade him. Mm. Um but, you know, if there's a team like the Jets we were talking about earlier, you know, if if Mike White isn't the long term answer, which I'm sure we probably all agree he's not the long term answer, then you know if you can ship Rogers for maybe what a first and a second or maybe two firsts if you're lucky, why not why not do that? Get those young talent, get our young talent in through the draft to build around Jordan Love. Why not?
0: It is a bit a bit early for the discussion, but it's going to be a, a really interesting off season for the Packers. Obviously, no one was expecting. Uh, expecting this uh, the season to be over so early and at what point of team building you obviously are and you've got these young wide receivers now but a 39 year old quarterback he'll be it's gonna be a really interesting offseason for for them and as well my team the Buccaneers who will probably be in a, a bit of a similar position but we'll wrap up NFL in rotation there take a short break and then get into this wide receiver business Welcome back to Throat In Rotation. Time now for some wide receiver chat. Jack, you've come up with this new wide receiver metric. Talk us through it. What is it? What's it all about?
1: Yeah, so uh, I've called it wide receiver gravity. Um, the, the purpose behind it really was I wanted to come up with a way of being able to define how impactful a wide receiver is when they're on the pitch or when they're on the field. So looking at them not just in terms of raw numbers and box score but looking at them when they're on per snap per route what they're doing with the ball. So the way it worked out is I took two stats that you can find on um one of them is on PFF and another one you can work it out um which is yards per route run and uh, targets per route run. Obviously that tells you, you know, how much they're drawing the ball when they're on the field and then what they're doing with it when they get it. And then used some uh various kind of calculations and numbers to come up with an overall figure where um i based it off 2006 is when the data starts so i based it off historical data so that's what 15 16 seasons worked out what the top season would have been and then that became 100 and then every season then is based off what that would be so Long story short, you know, the higher it is, you know, if you've got a 99.9, that's kind of as close to the best ever season you could have had in the last 15 years. Um, and using that, you can then work out how players are performing, not just this season against each other, but how they're performing against kind of historical uh, metrics and historical baselines to work out how, how good a season is compared to since 2006. Perfect. Super
0: interesting. So, um, Talk us through you. You just put out on Twitter today. I'll share your Twitter at Jack underscore Brentnall, B R E N T N A double L. You can find this wide receiver gravity stuff uh, all on your Twitter. Obviously, Um talk us through what you're seeing this year, sort of thing. Tyreek Hill is is by far and away the the mm. best wide receiver, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I should say, like, um, obviously, it's out of a hundred, but it's it's really really rare that a player scores kind of anything over seventy. Um, Tyreek Hill is on 85.5. Um, Unbelievable. Which is mad. Which is absolutely <laughs> mad. Um, he is just so far ahead of the competition. Uh, for context, the next best guy, uh, which might surprise people, is Armin Saint Brown. And he's on 63.3. So, Dominant
0: yeah. by Tyreek. But again, I, f- I feel like that kind of does match up to what you see in the eye test this year. Because Tyreek is just taking it to, to different levels. He he really is prime wide receiver and in any year, you'd say, right now. Not only has he got the speed and the connection with Tua, but um, you feel like he's uh, he's got the experience now where um, he just knows exactly where to be and when to be. And it's just the perfect wide receiver we're seeing at the minute, isn't it?
1: Yeah, And you've got to remember that, what is it, two of those games, maybe three of those games were with backup quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah.
2: Which no, is just um, insane. No two of course and obviously how well 2 has been that's made such a big impact. Obviously I did want to ask you but sort of obviously everyone knows how important obviously a quarterback and how good they are can can be on on a wide receiver. So obviously your threat rate um <clears throat> which is targets per route. Um obviously the only th- my thought process was sort of obviously you might have a wide receiver who runs a perfect route and but the quarterback hasn't necessarily picked him out, and you know that that's obviously going to skew it. And that is always going to be the way, anyway. But I, I just thought wanted to sort of see what you were thinking, sort of, obviously, if the quarterback makes the wrong read, doesn't find him, even if he's in acres of space and
1: things like that. Yeah, and that that that's a great point, and I think it's one of those things with with any advanced metric. It's and and I think it's just the nature of of the NFL it's so difficult to pass out different players from their surroundings. So you'll notice if you look at the kind of lower end of the scale, um, some of the teams who've had poor quarterback play this season, like the Steelers, they don't have a guy above 20%. I think their top guy, Deontay Johnson, and he ranks 47th out of 67 qualified receivers. So, I mean, you're always going to get a bit of that. If you've not got a quarterback who either sees his guy or can execute a play properly, it's always going to drop players further down the list.
2: Yeah, it's probably, like obviously, C.D. Lamb, he's now moved into the top five in the newest ones, hasn't he? So, obviously, that's probably correlated now with Dak coming back for the last few weeks and things like yep. that. Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Well, that's what I like about these metrics and the, the advanced statistics and stuff like that because there are so many variables in any sport, but especially in, in American football, um, that you just got to use these stats to kind of piece together as best of a pitcher mm. as you can. Um, and then anything like this, it just, just helps, you, helps you back up what you're seeing with your eyes as well. Um, so, we'll go, I'll talk you through now the top five historical highs in WR Gravity, obviously since 2006, as you say. Number one, Steve Smith in 2008 at 98.4, and then it's Wes Welker in 2009, 77.5 is the next closest. Andre Johnson's there is 2007 season, Julio Jones in fourth, 2015 season and Cooper Cup's Triple Crown outstanding effort last year is there at number five. Is there anything that sort of surprised you about those historical highs? They, they don't necessarily match the the greatest wide receiver seasons in terms of volume, but uh, did anything surprise you?
1: Uh, yeah, it did. I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, when we're looking at volume, obviously volume is key to an extent. Um, but, you know, if you talk about impact on the field, the, the obvious one that stuck out for me was the Andre Johnson one. Um so that season he only actually played in 9 games. Um so just just for clarity on this the threshold for any player to be included in this list is 40 targets. So he obviously achieved that threshold so that kind of cuts out any mad outliers. He was but the thing is if you look at his numbers yes he only played 9 games but he was kind of producing at a, a mad level. I think he was averaging 90 something yards per game, you know, if you put that out over a full season you're looking at 1,500, 1,600 yards. Um, Steve Smith as well, to an extent. Um, he was a pro bowler. I know he's all-pro that season. Um, but I mean, you know, again, his numbers there, 78 catches, 1,421 yards. Um, again, they don't, off the, the stat sheet, that doesn't wow you as like historically great. But again, if you look at when he was on the field, he only ran 392 routes, which was kind of on the lower end. But when he was on the field, he was producing, he was averaging about 15 yards per catch. So it kind of all brings that into into context, really, is yes, the bottom line numbers aren't great. But if he's not on the field enough, and if he's not getting a quarterback who can actually get him the ball, then maybe it's not going to show up in the stat sheet.
0: So it seems to me like maybe the, these wide receivers aren't necessarily that physical sp- Outrageous specimens, but maybe more technically gifted wide receivers with the route running and stuff. Is that maybe something that surprised you?
1: There's, there's definitely, there's definitely some of that, and I think you know, um, Cooper Cup obviously being up there, um, Devontae Adams is just outside uh, the top five. Antonio Brown is like, yeah, he's got three or four seasons like in the top twenty. Um, so a lot of it is those technicians, but I guess they're the guys who are getting open at every level of the field so they're probably yeah. going to get
2: the ball you know and uh, i'm sort of thinking that maybe sort of your bigger receivers they might be a bit more responsible for the shorter plays uh, sort of a bit a few more underneath whereas i don't know these other guys are going to be less uh, involved in that and they're going to be looking for more you know the, the bigger plays downfield and on the outside as well um yeah, are the interesting
0: players are uh, Attracting double teams more often as well.
2: Yeah, or yeah. maybe
0: we undervalue the technical side of it and overvalue the physical side a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. What you you saying, Ash? Sorry, I
2: interrupted you. Well, uh, well uh, obviously, you're looking obviously back in history, what was it? Uh, Steve Smith is the top one. But uh, t- if you look at Tyreek Hill's season, again, you just show, see how well he is. That would go in at second, if I'm not wrong, is uh, out of all yeah, time. Yeah, second. Yeah. Yeah, so that's just testament to how well, how good of a season he is. And as we said, uh, considering... <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater and co were playing that seventh round pick. What was it? Um, Scarlett, Scarlett Thompson, was it? Yeah. Uh, him coming in there. I mean, yeah, crazy season from Torrey Kill. Cool.
0: Absolutely. Um, is there anyone that you might have picked up that the metric is showing anybody is really undervalued
1: fantasy-wise? Um, I guess a couple of guys that I think are... I, I, certainly, if you're looking like longer-term fantasy-wise, again, if you're yeah. playing Dynasty, which I'd play far too much after, um same. Yeah, Chris Chris Alame is ninth. Mm. Um overall, yeah. Overall. Bear in mind he's had Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton at quarterback. So you've just got yeah. to look at these guys and it's like he's he's doing a lot when he's on the field with poor quarterback play. And I think we've already said that poor quarterback play can kind of ding you on this. So the fact that he's still managing it there is impressive. I don't know how under the radar he is but maybe Armand Ross St. Brown isn't getting enough love. I've heard him referred to as diet Cooper cup. And I really like that. And I think, you know, he he might never get the triple crown season (laughs) that cup had, but again, the lions are likely to have a new quarterback next season. So if he can do similar stuff. Um, and the one other guy, um, who I really don't think gets enough love fancy or otherwise is Jacoby Myers. Um, he comes in at 15th, um, which, yeah, Yeah. that really surprised me. Um, His gravity score is 36.2, which ties him with T. Higgins, Um, which again, you wouldn't think. But now again, you know, obviously he's the best receiver on that Patriots offense, but he's not necessarily getting the plays drawn up for him in the same way that some of the good receivers are. That Matt Mm -hmm. Patricia and Joe Judge offense, oh God, it's terrible. Um, So, you know, maybe if they get a competent play caller um, and Mac Jones finds his form again, Jacoby Myers could improve, but those are some guys that I like.
0: I was actually, I was going to ask about T Higgins. So uh, that score, uh, similar score, uh, where would that put him? Would that put him around the top 10 in gravity?
1: This yeah, year? so he's 36.2, so that's 14th. Um, he is just below guys like Amari Cooper, D.K. Metcalf, A.J. Brown, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Waddle.
0: There you go. Um, what about the Bucks wide receivers? I've been... Really disappointed with Mike Evans in particular, especially over the last few weeks. He's had some uncharacteristic drops, like concentration drops as well, and some weird stuff. What what, what are they saying?
1: Yeah, that one in, that one against the Panthers sticks oh, in my mind. Nightmares. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Again, they're they maybe lower than than you would you would normally expect. Godwin's down at twentieth. Um, he's just behind. He's sandwiched between Tyler Lockett and Marquise Brown. Uh, Mike Evans is 27th and that puts him between Jerry Judy and DJ Moore Um, but obviously neither DJ Moore or Jerry Judy are playing in an offense with Tom Brady so um, you know you'd like to see him be doing a little bit better than than a guy like DJ Moore who's got Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold and PJ Walker throwing in the football.
0: Yeah no I don't want to get too much into the box right now but there's (laughs) issues with the offense and I can't Mike, Everton, uh, Mike Evans, Mr. Dependable, really. First ever player to, to go for 1,000 yards in each of his first seven NFL seasons. And he's, he's really struggling for whatever reason at the time we need him the most. But again, don't want to get into the box too much. <coughs> Asher, have you got any more questions on the gravity metric?
2: Yes, well, we'll have a little look at the old Cardinals receivers. So um, main ones I'm interested on, uh, D-Hop and uh, Hollywood Brown.
1: Yeah, D-Hop's been dominant. Um, I think yeah. we're all not surprised by that one. He's sick, and he is only just behind Cooper Cup. Um, I think that's pretty impressive when you think that he missed the first half of the season. Yeah, for but, sure. I mean, I know obviously that was self-inflicted, but like being able to come back on the pitch and just kind of dominate straight off the bat in an offense that isn't performing well either. like You've got to respect him for that. Um, he just came back in and had like
2: 200 yards. Uh, games straight, straight, straight off the, the bat. Like...
1: Of people though that I was hearing saying things like, you know, our D he will be washed without the steroids. He can't play, and then he comes back and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you forgot how Same good way. this guy is.
2: Yeah, and I mean, even with that, anyway, it was like probably wasn't even like anything big it was like probably just something that you i think you said a harry he probably had something in his protein shaker he didn't realize
0: nah, i googled <laughs> it the other day i was talking about it with leah my housemate and it's just it was just in at something that's in some supplements i think like even we could buy it
1: sort oh of it, really so.
0: yeah, yeah yeah um so uh, um nothing too serious um did you mention another wide receiver then
1: it was hollywood brown i think he yeah, was mentioned but yeah, he's 21st. He's he's below Chris Godwin and above Debo Samuel. Um, okay. And Rondale Moore is on the list because he does have at least 40 targets. Mm-hmm. He is, unsurprisingly, quite a lot further down. Um, he's 40th, which is just below Darnell Mooney and just above Demarcus Robinson. Not a name I thought would be yeah. that high. Um, but again, you've got to factor in scheme there because his average depth of target is like, I mean, two or three yards. So... Yeah, It's always going to be quite difficult. You be you can get like plenty of targets doing that, but you're not really going to get a ton of production, bless him.
0: Yeah, but uh, those three weapons that Cardinals offense should definitely be doing better. We're seeing so many um, rookie wide receivers successes at the minute. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase come into league in back-to-back years. This year we're seeing Alave, Garrett Wilson even on their way to possible superstardom. Um, Jack, do you have any theories on, on why this seems to be hitting so often? And do you think it will continue with next year's class?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think I think part of it is because the college game is increasingly um, similar to the NFL game. I think the wide receivers that are coming out now are, are already NFL ready. They're polished. You know, you look at a guy like Garrett Wilson last year, who was my wide receiver one by a country mile. He was like so polished in everything he looked like an nfl receiver even like the year before he came out at ohio state so i i think you're you're starting to see that kind of the the mind meld of college and the nfl where the players you'll get in the wide receiver are, are already ready to play the game so i think it will continue yeah i think it's it's mad the amount of talent we're getting these days at wide receiver. every year there seems to be like three or four guys at the top of the class who are just
2: worldies yeah and what you said there as well. I mean that does sort of make sense. You see the quality of the sort of guys in the secondary are coming through in the draft as well. Uh you know like the like Derek Stingley and uh Sauce Gardner and that. They're, they've come like it's come in straight away and you know that obviously that should go hand in hand with the ability of the receivers as well.
0: Yeah. Absolutely Jack, obviously it's early in the process, but do you have a favorite guy for the 2023 class?
1: I do, yeah. It's TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnston. Um, he was when I did my summer scouting. He was tied for my wide receiver one with Jackson Smith and Jigba um, from Ohio State. But um, if if you don't follow college ball, um, Smith and Jigba have missed most of the season uh, with injuries. So, so yeah, uh, yeah. So so he's kind of taken a bit of a knock, I think, on that one. Um, Johnston is. I've heard the comp of D. Hop. Now, I don't know if that's. I don't know if it's one that I love, but it, it, I can see the the logic there. He's six foot four. Uh, he's about two hundred and ten pounds. He's like a big guy. Mm-hmm. He'll, yeah, he'll, he'll win. Like he'll he'll body you at the catch point. But like he moves so well, and he's like really smoothing out of his breaks. He's just a, a polished and, and talented guy. So I, I think he'll. Go, I think he'll go really high. I wouldn't be surprised by top ten
0: yeah I um, and, and like you said before why not it seems like teams are gonna take these swings on wide receiver earlier and earlier because why not they're all they're all bloody hitting it's it kind of seems to me like he's a bit lanky somehow at 6'4 215 pounds but he doesn't play like he's lanky He's kind of kind of a weird specimen where he's got everything you would want it kind of seems the way maybe he moves to me maybe it's just his hair like he looks a bit like Larry Fitzgerald Um, got got the hair as I say he has 40 forced missed tackles on um, eighty nine career receptions, which is, uh, pretty ridiculous, really. When I mean, he's moving the weight as fast as he does, as well, like you're thinking that's coming from a Derrick Henry sort of bruising running back. So There saw guy, some,
2: yeah. yeah, some things there. Yeah, obviously, how mad his broken tackle rates are, and he's sort of playing like. A build of Debo Samuel, but he isn't like that at all. He's way more rangy, and um, I don't know. I, I do you, he's sort of been. I've seen him linking Icon to like AJ Green and Julio Jones. Uh, what do you think?
1: I mean, yeah, he's. I can I can see to an extent where they're coming from. I don't know if he's necessarily like the thing is with Julio. He's like he was like an alien. Um, he was just so big and so strong and so fast. Um. But there's definitely parallels in the fact that they're both, you know, they've got the size and the speed and the quicks, and you know, you can see that by those force miss tackle numbers. You know, guys that big don't normally make you miss in space. It's not; they'll mm. they'll try and pull you over. But Johnston could do both, and that that for me is what what really stands out.
2: Now I see the the like similarities to D hop. Then maybe that's a bit more suitable, as you said. Uh, Jack, you mentioned uh, mentioned
0: Jackson Smith in Jigba's um, in Jigba. There, uh, how much do you think his hamstring injury will affect his draft stock? He had ninety five catches for almost sixteen hundred yards and nine tutties, uh a year ago.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one. I think injuries are always a challenging one to project because I think every team seems to value value them differently and rate them differently. I think he was a he was the kind of player where. The only question was, could he do it again, uh, and kind of put at the volume. But he wasn't raw. He was NFL, He was another example of those Ohio State receivers who are NFL ready. Incredibly smart route runner. It creates a lot of separation. He's not a particularly fast guy. Uh, he's not sudden, but he's so smooth that he will separate. And I think NFL teams are always going to value that. And you know, the injury is an issue, but I don't think a hamstring is a serious one um you know unless you could Kadarius tony and then it sees you miss you know a million games um so I, I i think maybe back end of first round um maybe early second but it's always difficult to tell yeah we I mean,
0: see uh Jameson williams obviously go i think it was about 16 17 to the lions this year there's obviously teams that are, are gonna know they're not win now who, who will be ready to wait even if that is necessary um, Josh Downs is another wide receiver who's kind of interested me. He's had an impressive PFF grade over the last two years. Looks a tidy wide receiver, but maybe his physicals might let him down a little bit. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I like Downs. Um, I wasn't as high on him as 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 some. I think uh, I've not watched a ton of his 2022 tape, but when I watched him over the summer, his hands need a little bit of work, and he, you know, again just sticking on those kind of points of. And maybe negatives I guess. He is small, like you said. You know, he's gonna be a slot at the next level. There's no question. He won't be big enough to play on the outside. But he's really quick. He's really elusive and he can, you know, take it to the house every play. And you know, we know what the NFL's like. That's the kind of player that they're gonna value. You know, like you said, we saw Jameson Williams and they're they're different players, but we saw Jameson Williams go so high last year, and I think that was in big parts down to his breakaway speed. So um, I think Downs could go. will probably go earlier than I would take him. Um, but I think he's got a solid future ahead as an NFL player.
0: Is there anyone perhaps you picked up on the tape who's not getting much attention or you think might be drafted in um, some of the later rounds, maybe round three or later, that, um, that you really like the look of?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of guys I like. I really like Cedric Tillman from Tennessee. I think we've all seen Tennessee offense kind of go in. Supernova this year uh, with Hendon Hooker at quarterback. Tillman is an older player. I think he's 23. So that might drop his stock a little bit. But I mean, if you watch the game, the Tennessee Georgia game, and he faced off against Georgia cornerback Keely Ringo, who is, I think Dame Bruegler just had him going 13 overall in his mock draft at the Athletic. Ringo is like a super freak, kind of looks like a linebacker, plays corner. Um, Tillman dominated him. He was separating every level of the field. I think he's one of those guys, he's playing at the Senior Bowl uh, in the new year. He's one of those guys I think is going to have a big Senior Bowl and I think he'll probably rise up a few draft boards. The other guy is A. Flowers from Boston College. Um, I've been a big fan of Flowers for a couple of years. I thought he was going to come out last year, but he had a quite a quiet season after his quarterback was injured. Again, he's another kind of shorter, I think he's five. 10 172 pounds um speedster receiver but again a good route runner so you know lots of like
0: excellent stuff there follow jack on twitter as i mentioned earlier for more nfl draft coverage and visit at the jet sweep nfl on twitter for, for a link to his website you get fantasy college picks i really enjoy the longer pieces that you do jack you last, well i don't know if it was your last one but you won on how McCaffrey has changed the 49ers offence. I really enjoyed that. Um, So go check out Jack and the Jet Sweep NFL on Twitter. We will finish this episode off with a bold prediction for Thursday night football. Buffalo Bills travel to New England Patriots, the playground of Bill Belichick. Ash, give me a bold prediction,
2: will you? All right, bold prediction. Instead of just backing the Bills to lose every week, um, we'll go with, it's going to be a tie. That's my bold prediction. A tie. Tie between, okay. Yeah, tie between okay. the Pats and the Bills. That's
1: my bold oh, right, prediction.
0: Right. It's pretty bold though. Right? Jack, have you got one?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's a it's a Gabe Davis week and I think he leads he could lead the Bills in receiving yards. The the, the the Patriots will shut down Stefan Diggs, so it's Ooh. a Davis game. Oh wow well.
0: Reese will be very happy you said that. For me, Von Miller, Deion Dawkins out. Mac Jones has been improving the last few weeks. He actually has a higher passer rating than Josh Allen when the pocket is clean this year um, and lower turnover-worthy turnover play percentage than Allen. And on Thursday night football, he will throw for more touchdowns and less interceptions than Josh Allen will.
1: Ooh.
0: Like, oh. Bit of ball. All right, I so like it's been it. really fun. Really fun to talk to you today, guys. Jack, thank you so much for coming on. Check out all his social details. Uh, we don't need to go through our socials this week, guys, do we? We'll just sign off <laughs> and see you next week. Goodbye.
2: <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>